Hello and welcome to the Data for Subscriptions podcast, where we focus on how to succeed with subscriptions and as a service businesses. I'm your host, Bela Bonian, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Marie Sando to the show. Marie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Marie, you are with the product as a service team at Electrolux. And before we get to talk more about you and what you do, why don't we start with introducing what Electrolux does? Yeah, Electrolux is a global leader in household products. Founded in Sweden back in 1919 by a fantastic entrepreneur called Axel Wendergren. So most Swedish people know about him, but maybe not internationally. Uh, so Electrolux has a fascinating story. And you can read more about it on electroluxgroup.com if you want to. And uh, just an example, back in 1923-24, he had even sales offices in the US, Australia, Brazil, and uh, countries around the world. So it's absolutely fascinating. So today we are selling uh, approximately 60 million household products in over 120 markets every year with 49,000 employees. A sizable company. Mm -hmm. And you started global from day one, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about what you do at Electrolux. So, yeah, I work in a group called Product as a Service. Wasn't uh, around in 1919, but uh, for about Two, three years now, we worked in, with product as a service. Um, I have been there for one and a half year. And it's a global team. It's fairly small, but we also work with other colleagues in the different, uh, in the different countries. So we have active subscriptions in APAC in, out of Singapore. And we also have it in Europe out of Sweden. Right. So you recently have uh, introduced this subscription model at ease, which is what you refer to here, starting here in Sweden. Yeah, correct. So tell us more about um, at ease. Let's just start from the basics. Yeah, at ease is our name of uh, subscriptions uh, in product as a service. So instead of talking to consumers about product as a service, we mm -hmm. talk about at ease. So we take out complexity and we just manage everything for the consumer so they can just get the, the best outcome of our products. So you subscribe more or less of the outcome. Um, it's still a bit of an experiment. So we will see if this resonates, these offers resonate with the consumers. And also if we can handle refurbishment and take the products back. Because you can subscribe for a product for as long as you want. Right. Uh, you can either test it out and, or, and you can keep it, or you can keep it for as long as you want. And if it breaks down during the, the time you have it as a subscription, you just get a replacement from us. So we now have 12 different services mm. uh, based out of a, uh, three different products. Uh, and uh, so you can choose if you want a new product or a refurbished product, if you want a full flex subscription, or if you want to have a commitment time of 12 months. So your offering today consists of uh, three products from the total portfolio of Electrolux. You provide it in, in different ways, totaling up to about 12 different offers, so to say. Yeah, based on those that's three. correct. Okay, got so it. those products are now coming from what we call the well-being segment. Right. That is for well-being in your home. So it's air purifiers, uh, vacuum cleaners, and air uh, conditioners, and that segment is on. Yeah. And how did you arrive at the decision of that's the place to start? with those products in the well-being segment? I think it was a good, convenient way to start. Okay. Uh, it's a smaller product. You can ship them in a box, yeah, uh, like in a postal package, because we do want to do uh, uh, product as a service for our major 
domestic appliances as well in the future. Yeah. Uh, but that is a, another story around uh, logistics and transportation and refurbishment. This is a good way to start. Yeah. And the purpose with all of that is to to give this product a longer life. Yeah. I think most people can um, anticipate what the broad portfolio of Electrolux is, even if they don't know the company. But you have a very broad portfolio we from do, yeah. really small, small products yeah. like the vacuum cleaners to larger, more complex value vacuum yeah. cleaners and then the full kind, kind of kitchen appliances and so oh, on yeah. and so on. Yeah. And you also, to my knowledge, you have B2C, yes, which is what we most know, but you have a B2B uh, arm as well. Yeah, we do. Yeah, absolutely. And you've done... Uh, You've done some market research. You obviously have a starting point. You mentioned that you've had some initiatives before leading up to this bigger launch, so to say, but you've done some market research as well. Did that influence your choice in terms of what you would start with? Yeah, we did quite a bit of interviewing around value propositions. Yeah. And uh, and we did it in a handful of European countries. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was the base for how we shaped the first offerings but you never really know until you've tried. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because it's one thing to, obviously this is the traditional way I call it, which go out uh, and ask the customers yeah. what you want. Yeah. But the beauty of a subscription model is that you get into this ongoing relationship where you actually listen to, I call it listen, quote yeah. unquote, based Actively on the listening. usage, yeah. usage of, and thereby it turns out to be arguably much more effective way of understanding what the mm. customers are, mm. are looking for. Yeah. Their willingness to pay. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a magical moment, isn't it? When you you put an offer out there and somebody you don't know, you have no relationship to, actually clicks and order it, sign up and and take part of that uh, consumer experience and you can sort of figure out how they, how they uh, what they think about it. Absolutely. But okay, so you obviously, what you carried into your decision was, A, you had a couple of test rockets. B, you did certainly some market research and talk to customers, yeah, potential customers, but then also you weighed in your own agenda in terms of we believe that this could be a great st- a place to start. It's yeah. uh, it's an easier kind of starting point from the well-being segment. Yeah. Got it. And we did a pilot in Sweden yeah. with just a robot vacuum right. cleaner for about a couple of years yeah. first. So from an objective standpoint, naturally, you're already selling 60 million appliances mm-hmm. worldwide, <laughs> a core business that has been around for yeah. more than 100 years. Yeah. The obvious objective would be to grow your business, grow your revenue. But if you would articulate more specifically, what are the objectives you're looking to hit? Yeah, I think the long-term objective is quite clear. It's to design products that last longer and can be repaired easily. Um so update and finally recycled yeah, when they're not used anymore. So it's a sustainability thought in that. Yeah. But at the same time, also looking into, can we do this in a healthy business way? Right. So sustainability in its true meaning, so Absolutely. to say, because it needs to be yeah. business-wise viable as well. Yeah. Because sustainability is like an integral part of the group strategy now. So product as a service is one of all these initiatives that we do. Of course. Yeah. If you expand on a little bit more, so how does now this subscription initiative fit into the overall uh, Electrolux model then? No, it it fits in really, really well. When in in, uh, sustainability fits in, like sort of ticks every box in that. So absolutely. But also our way to get 
closer relationship to our consumers to know how do they use our products. And in the subscription model, we can really monitor that because we know when we when they break down, because you ship it back and we ship you a replacement. Mm. So we know exactly how often it needs to be repaired and how often it needs to be refurbished. So we can really track that. Got it. So let's talk a little bit more about the customers then. What would you say is the core value proposition and value for the customers here? The main uh, main value, I would say, is the convenience. Yeah. It's, uh, we take care of everything for you. We ship you the uh, new brushes when it's time to change. We nudge you when it's time to do some cleaning. Uh, we change or we, we send you a new filter when it's time. If it breaks down, you can just contact us and you get a replacement. You just always take care of the cleaning in this case. You, you subscribe to Clean Floors and we make sure it happens. And all of this hinges naturally on the vast amount of data that you constantly get from the customer's product usage. Yep, correct. They are connected. So we can see when it's time to change a filter or time to change a brush or so time to change it. And how do you, uh, or how have you started now to deploy this service and create awareness around that? I know that you launched this service at ease on June 11th. Yeah. And that offer, that was the new name and mm-hmm. it was also more products, more offers. Uh, that was that was launched on, now in June mm-hmm. with a new storefront, new site. And easiest way to, to reach that is to go via electlux.se, just scroll down and you'll find it. Uh, and you can see which offers, which offers we have. And now we have a basic setup with the back end and the front end and also the internal processes. And now we can add more products uh, on that. And since this is a direct uh, consumer customer play, how do you drive promotion of it? We promote, we've been quite careful in this because we wanted to launch and see that everything works. So we have done some uh, digital marketing, social media, paid search, stuff like that. Yeah. But you've started a little bit easy to make sure that everything really works and holds. Got it. Got it. So is this mainly a way for you guys to work your already addressable customer base? Or are you looking to kind of grow your business and expand? Yeah, I think both. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely both. Do you know if your current customer base that are used to buying one-time, kind of the one-time purchase, one-time sales model, that they are keen in moving on to a subscription model? Is this a data point that you have today? Mm, yes and no. Yeah. Because in, in interviews, we have, uh, we're not monitoring data like that, but we have in interviews. We do quite a bit of interviews with the subscriber base. Yeah. Uh, so we know where they're coming from, if they're happy or not, and all that, and how they use the products. But uh, I think some, some people always want to own, and somebody always want to, and some of them all uh, want to, to subscribe. It's like you can lease a car, or you can buy a car, or... You can go by taxi. There's different needs. Uh, Because it is interesting, I mean, for for us here at Digital Routes, since we have been involved in what we refer to as subscription business for basically the 20 years or so the company has been around. Even though in telecoms, where I know you Mm -hmm. have your background as well, uh, we are now, all of us, extremely um, 
happy with our, I think most of us, maybe I should rephrase and say, uh, <laughs> most of us, I believe, uh, are happy with uh, the subscription models that we have because of the granularity and the service quality they provide. But largely, if we look across industries, it's very early days. Oh, it's very early days. And there's hardly anybody doing what we do. Uh, so there's a few to compare with. There are a couple of companies across Europe that are doing similar things to what we do. Uh, Miele is doing it in Germany. Mm-hmm. And there are a few um, companies doing it. Bosch is doing it in a, in a partnership. And then there's uh, some, some resellers doing it in Europe. Yeah. Uh, but I would say no one really in Sweden. I think what we add in complexity in our uh, our subscription is the actual product. Yeah. And uh, how to handle that and the shipment and the refurbishment and, and repairs and that. I think that's a great point because in light of this being new, while in certain industries being telecom specifically, but we also have uh, content and media space where we're mm. all used to Netflix and the Disney yeah. Plus and the Spotify's. This is vastly different. This is, I mean, it this is. is a completely different value chain. Yeah. I mean, we've seen in the cloud infrastructure space as well is that we've seen subscriptions in one form or shape in RAW for quite many years. So this is different though, and it brings a whole new set of complexity that's going to be really fascinating for us to kind of tackle along the way. Mm-hmm. But just on the uh, bundling and pricing, if you go back two, three years, there yep. was not so much talk about hybrid. Today, we see a dramatic increase of the conversation around hybrid. Why? To the point that you made is that some people would want to own, some people mm. would want to only subscribe. Mm. But in fact, it seems more and more that people want to have a combination of. Yeah, absolutely. And you already have some products probably at home. Yeah. Uh, you don't change everything from start. Let's talk about the uh, the impact of now the subscription service for your um reseller retail ecosystem because again going back to your core business this is largely sold through resellers correct yeah and and, and that will that will be the future as well yeah. yes so so now going back that we're still experimenting uh and some of the findings we and, and some of the learnings we do can probably go back to to helping out resellers as well but in this initiative it's direct to uh, consumer it's direct to consumer yeah yeah Let's talk about the targets that you have for the next 12 months. What are you tracking? Oh, we are tracking, uh, we are tracking our sort of beliefs in, can this work? I mean, the, the, does these offers resonate with the consumers? But then we also track the so churn rate, uh, how many leaves us, uh, and uh, appliance lifetime value, for how long does the appliance and that would be more than 12 months, Vera, because that would not be, um, uh, it will last longer than 12 months. So, so that will take us more than 12 months. But we will see how much revenue will we get out of an appliance throughout the entire lifetime. Uh, we also look at average revenue per user, of course, mm-hmm. ARPU, uh, consumer acquisition cost, and the retention rate, how many stays after six months, how many stays after 12 months, how many stays even longer than that. We have some data of that already for the, for the first pilot with the robot vacuum cleaners. And they stay very long. Uh, the majority are happy with the service. And when you get into it, it's, um, it's a, 
probably it's a, it's a thought to get used to as well. Right. That you subscribe to something. Um, but you never, ha- yeah, sorry. Uh, you never have to go back to thinking about, should I change the battery or should I sort of maintain this product? Because we help you with that. Uh, we also look at the free trial convers- uh, conversion rate because you can always try our products for 14 days in your home. Um, the robot might not work in your home or it, it does, depending on maybe furniture or rugs or something that you have special. Yeah. So you can feel the freedom that I can test it out. And if I'm not happy with it, I send it back and you don't pay anything for the first uh, 14 days. Uh, and then, of course, uh, consumer satisfaction overall. So we do quite a bit of um, interviews. And as I said before, it's an experiment. So we invite these consumers to be a part of our experiment as well. And, yep. and they are most of them early adopters. As you said, it's new. So um, they're quite happy to be a part of our experiment and very generous with their views and time uh, in this. Uh, and then we have a set of metrics also that we monitor uh, for the refurbishment, how often we change uh, certain parts and how often we need to do repairs. So I take it back to when I asked you the question, what's the value for the customer as well as asking you what's the and how it fits into Electrolux model and agenda. <clears throat> you said from the customer perspective, it's convenience. Yeah. And then obviously from an Electrolux standpoint is to make sure that you have, um, you have uh, happy customers, you can grow your customers' base, obviously, and making sure that you can deliver long-lasting products. Yeah. So if I take it back to just a side note, Probably, I think, 20 years or something like this. I remember Electrolux, uh, you came to market with um, with uh, a vacuum cleaner. At that point, obviously, you bought a one-time sales, mm. but uh, a vacuum cleaner that was made out of um, ocean plastic. That just for, mm. that, that was a way to kind of show, you know, we, we have to kind of take our responsibility. The point is that I, that I perceive Electrolux having sustainability and circular economy, Um being at the core of its basically identity and mission as a company. So yeah. this, this I think, feels very genuine when you guys speak does, about the yeah. fact that it does, yeah. you want to provide a product which has a longer lifetime value that speaks financial language, that you can get mm-hmm. more value out of a product. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a very, uh, it's a very exciting and welcome change for companies because we have come from decades of faster and faster mm. consumption of products. Mm, terrible. I think so. I will just also add my own perspective as a, mm. a, now a new customer of Electrolux mm. because uh, I signed up to your service um, and uh, very candidly, we do, do not have Electrolux pro- products in our home. We are a customer of one of your uh, competitors to date. Mm. So this is interesting for me because I just literally took the consumer seat. I went to your website and I clocked it because I was interested in seeing, so how easy is this yep. at ease service? Yeah, And it took me two minutes literally oh, cool. from the point where I read the information, how you provided the benefits clearly articulated without making it long-winded, but also not too high level. It was pretty easy for me to see, okay, so these are the products this, these are the options. The fact that there weren't too many options made it also quite easy. Mm-hmm. What I really liked mostly is how easy it was for me to kind of choose between the fixed subscription model of 12 months versus a full flexible. Yeah. 
The fact that I could choose between a new or a refurbished product. So I chose flexible and I chose refurbished product. What I did not expect from you guys was that when I chose refurbished, that the fixed fee that you have was halved, Mm -hmm. which I think is is pretty um, amazing. Why? Because at the end of the day, whether we buy a product or we subscribe to it, I mean, the premise is still the value that we perceive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's some of the hurdles that some companies have a challenge to pass because when they go over to subscription mode, the challenge they might have is that the customer might say, but I paid this amount Mm. and then I never had to pay any more. Now you're charging me and it seems more expensive. You guys, at least so far in my experience, early customer of Electrolux have Mm. had a great start because you provided me a product which fits my values. It's refurbished. Mm. I know it's going to work. And it looked good. Well, yes. And and I know it's going to hold the quality that Electrolux provides. Why? Because literally in your contract, you say, if it doesn't, we'll make sure that it does. And then you take full responsibility. And it's also a model that I uh, appreciate, which is that you have a small fee, which is understandable, Mm. but then you have this exciting per usage, which we're going to come back to. Yeah. Um, but so good work so far. I like the customer experience to date. Time will tell now, as well as, as I, as we continue to use the product, how the, basically the way you listen to us as a customer, that works, but I'll keep you posted. Yeah, please do. Please do. Okay. Let's switch a bit now to talk about the challenges that you had to overcome to arrive at the point of today. Yep. So one of the things that we already touched and even for me as a new customer of Electrolux is that even with the current portfolio of only three uh, products, but with the different modes that you deliver, you have 12 different offers. Correct. Approximately how many customers would you say you have today on your platform? We have around 4,000. Yeah. Because typically when we speak about complexity around Mm. data management or specifically usage data management, uh, it is a combination of volume of data, which directly correlates to the volume, obviously, of of customers that you have, and then the variability. We could say that you have a decent amount of variability already now with only three products. Yeah. And the customer base that naturally will grow. Yeah. What's your plan to introduce new products, by the way, uh, in the the near midterm? Are you planning to introduce more? Yeah, we're adding uh, new offers and new products already in September, October. Okay. Yeah. So keep your eyes open. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. It looks like I'm going to be spending more. Yeah, absolutely. And you started now from a geographical standpoint here in Sweden, and you're planning, as you said before, to expand into Europe. Mm. And when when in time do you plan to do that? Uh, During next year. During next year. So we immediately see a very aggressive ramp up yeah. from your starting point to where you want to go. So more products, more offers, more geographies. What I'm keen on understanding is there's a vast amount of data that this is going to bring in already now. And you spent some minutes before you talked about that. This is largely about being close to the customers and listening to my usage. Yeah. How did your backend system look like from a usage data management standpoint where you started with that one product? And then what did you have to do to set yourself up for now? Yeah, we started with a basic setup that could handle one product in one country with one price, more or less. Yeah, 
fit for purpose for the time yeah. and for that pi first pilot. So after that now and the new offer offers we have yeah. launched here in June, uh, we needed to build out more and uh, to handle that complexity. And the next and that can do several countries, several different uh, pricing models. Right. Uh, like you said before, the twelve different for now, and yeah. they can do more. But so, and the next step uh, we need to go to where well, we need to go is to introduce uh, discounts and uh, bundlings as well. Right. Is your thinking as well that when you speak about bundles, I can see that you're talking about bundles of different products that Electrolux offers. Yes. Are you thinking about products potentially from partners? Uh, could be. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of this that is, would be super interesting yeah. to uh, to add uh, third party uh, products to our offerings. No, absolutely. Mm. I mean, I can just see myself uh, as a consumer. If you would come in with additional accessories, which increases the value for me as a customer, I would just see it as an upside because then you're actually thinking about the final service for me, and you go, yeah. "Well, if you add this in." One thing that I. Um, notice in conversations with customers that we deal with is is the underestimation of the complexity mm -hmm. and why is because what you guys are really after is first look after the customer second make sure that your back end can cater for agility yeah. Yeah. flexibility so you can continue to kind of listen and innovate yeah. innovate new models but also keep track of the old ones yeah what are the, if you would give some advice to other people listening to this and wanting to embark on a similar initiative, what are the, what are the things to think about of how do you make sure you set up your backend in the right way so it's fit for fight? It depends where you're coming from, I guess. It depends what your, uh, what your IT structure looks like from start. Yeah. We are coming from a hundred year old business that was used to selling to resellers. Uh, so we didn't have any backend that could handle different type of subscriptions and different kind of pricing models right. at all. So we had to build it from start. Right. And you set up something specific for exactly. it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. This is also pretty common as well, because you don't want to necessarily interfere no. with your core business. I mean, it's no. been more or less perfected for many, many years. Oh yeah. That's a well-oiled yeah. machinery. Let's talk about pricing. Yeah. So what was your thinking and maybe science behind the pricing that you put on the current offer? Then we have different models. So we have one where you signed up for the price per square meter. Mm -hmm. So that is the thinking with that is that you pay for your usage. The outcome. Mm -hmm. You pay for how much you use it. So you pay one crown per square meter, but a minimum of 99 and there's a maximum, so we don't uh, we don't overcharge you. Uh, and then you can also choose to sign up for a committed time of twelve months. Then you have a fixed monthly fee. Mm -hmm. um, so that is to test out which one resonates the best with the consumers. Are you making a bet, basically, just to have a starting point and then listen in, exactly. or what? Do you have yeah. any starting point in terms of feedback and input? So that would be a good place to start. We have done customer interviews as well. Okay. A lot. Yeah. But, uh, and some find the uh, price per square meter really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and some find it maybe a bit complicated yeah. to understand how much will I really pay. Yeah. 
but until you have tried with a certain amount of consumers and they actually tried it and got the invoice and, and that, you don't know before that, really. You can ask, but they have to try it out. For us, and also here at Digital Route, because we deal with customers oftentimes that are at the forefront of the subscription mm. business, mm. I think that seeing you guys stepping into true usage-based yeah. is super cool. Yeah, It's bold, yeah, but it's super cool. Yeah. But this actually connects back to what we just spoke about when it comes to the backend complexity that one needs to manage for. Because and we don't the- really know now, better if these these ones that like the uh, uh, the usage based, yeah, if they are the um, early adopters, and it will change over time or not, we we don't know that yet. Yeah. So that's also really exciting to to follow. Yeah, because not that many knows about the offer yet. Yeah. I think that is one of our main parts as well, to market it more, making it more known. But this also puts the finger on if we kind of go up a few steps in terms of why subscription models, obviously for the reason of growing business, yes, but Mm. just this conversation is very different than when you sell a product and then you have a customer support or a warranty kind of process going Mm. on. This is diametrically different. It is. Because we're spending all of our time right now speaking about the fact that every minute that the product is in use in our home, you are listening to it. Yeah. And you're in a way listening to me. Um, I think this is very, very interesting. This is why those of us who are in the so-called subscription business, we think is super exciting. I'll just say this though, from just uh, connecting back to the usage, since we just started with your service. For me, it's intriguing to see how you will build for it and how accurate you will be, meaning that... Oh yeah. Because for me, I don't want to get... You mentioned bill shock. Mm. I don't want to have a bill shock where I go, hold on a second, what's happening here? Why is this so expensive? But at the same time, as a company, you want to make sure that you get fair pay for the service that Mm -hmm. you provide. Mm -hmm. And this is all kind of directly linked to your backend for usage data management. Because if you don't do this perfectly, and now we're speaking very simple. We're speaking Mm -hmm. one product, I'm going to use it for square meters. And we're not speaking bundles, discounts, No, no, no. If you have a few few products working together on that day. The new products, if you provide me a better bundle this fall with additional products. Mm. I think everybody listening to this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think everybody listening to this can start to anticipate uh, when we speak complexity, how quickly Mm. it can go. Now, let's talk about the internal alignment. Yep. Obviously, this is a starting point, but it's also a very important move for Electrolux. How do you ensure that you get everybody involved and aligned? and getting behind an initiative like this? Yeah, everyone doesn't have to be aligned like that, but you need to have management support to be able to do something like this, absolutely. Um, And then I think the trickiest part for us has been that our company is set up, as a product company set up for uh, product linear sales and very well organized in that. Of course. And now we come along and want to do something completely different, like just taking products out of the warehouse and getting it to consumer and then get it back and doing a refurbishment and then back in the warehouse again. So we have done that as a separate track. So now we're doing that completely separate. Uh, But to do that kind of agile uh, with maybe a few products to test with, because we could do that now. 
But to do that, it's super complicated in a big company like ours. Understandably. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but I think the will to do this has been strong and the support has been really good. So the complexity in internal alignment has not been that people don't want to help us, more like we're doing something different. Of course. So every single little process we have been sort of tweaking on. Tweaking on. Yeah, for us. Even ordering products and, you know, everything. Because that is so well organized because we know exactly what to do in the linear business. Yeah. And here we still experimenting, still really don't know how this is going to work out. Um, so that has been the, the most complex part. And I think the most work we have done is set up our little ring-fenced unit to do this. Uh, and that work um, is behind the scenes. Yeah. So that is the ones that have taken the, the longest time. What I hear very clearly from you is, yes, you have a clear idea of what you want to do, but equally so, flexibility and adaptability mm. is very clear from how you speak about from yeah. basically the beginning of our discussion, all you know, also from the whole customer value standpoint, all the way now back to the processes internal. Mm. That's very clear. Because you need to tweak this yeah. all the time now. Yeah. So when we get products out and we get them back and we have a discussion with consumers, we probably need to change pricing models, how we how we write about the products, yes. how we describe them, yes. what's included in a subscription, uh, what's important for the consumers. Is the sustainability important? Is the flexibility important? No. So right. we need to change on the front end. We also need to change the back end. Right. And vice versa, of course. Yeah. What are you personally most excited about for the next six to 12 months? I, now am, that I am super excited mm -hmm. about this work, uh, um, basically, because it's, it's super fun. Yeah. And it's, uh, we don't know if it's going to work, but we think, and it's worth trying. So um, uh, super excited about see how these new offers resonate with our consumers, adding more products uh, and new offers in uh, September, October. Fantastic products. Mm -hmm. You have to look for those. And... Um, then, so also looking into next countries in Europe. That would be really exciting. Can you tell us more about which uh, countries or is that something that we will discover along yeah, the way? Next time. Next time. Mm. Okay. We keep that as a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have you back when you're going to introduce the new mm. offers in the fall. Bigger maybe. countries than Sweden. Bigger than Sweden. <laughs> Taller than Sweden? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. As a final segment, for those listening to this and want to embark on a similar initiative, what are your um, advice to, to all of us? What should we be thinking about? Uh, I, would, I would advise to get something up, a basic setup that you can start testing because we don't really know what works and what not works. So the testing part is and not being afraid of the testing. Like a minimum viable product. Um, see how does that resonate with consumers and how can you do the back end? So getting that started and also getting sh making sure that you have the management support right. for that and that it can fail or it can, so that you can pivot, you can change, you can, you can do a lot there. And, and like we do now, we, we start in Sweden because it's quite easy for us to, to change if something needs to change. And then we have a little bit more robustness. We can go to the next country. Right. Start with a robust MVP. Yeah. Make sure you have the right backend set up so you can be agile and quick. 
So yeah. you can tune in, yeah. innovate. Yeah. Make yeah, because sure. you don't set something up and just leave it. You need exactly. to be able to iterate often. Yeah, and make sure you mm. have uh, management backing and support. Yeah. Fantastic. Marie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank and you. good luck on something that I have a good feeling about. I think it's going to go really well. Yeah, good, good. We need that. So now you can sell it to all your friends in midsummer. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you.